not going to change this year. It's not going to change next year. It's, it's an ongoing process. It might take, dude, it might take 100 years. Um, the, the important thing is that we keep the conversation going. We keep going. Uh, we keep trying. We keep fighting. Um, keep changing people's minds. Keep changing, changing the narrative. Hey, I'm Kenna. Hey, I'm Emmy. Thanks for listening to Fresh Off the Vote. We are a grassroots podcast with the mission to make politics exciting and accessible. Our team is 100% self-identified Asian Americans ready to make waves for the November 2020 election. We created this podcast as a home for conversations for Asian Americans by Asian Americans. Preparing for November and making sure you are up to date and informed on current events can be overwhelming and a lot to remember. To stay connected and find awesome resources, make sure to check us out and follow us on Instagram at Fresh Off the Vote for more content like today's episode. Sports and athletes have always been at the forefront of activism. From the famous Black Power salute at the 1968 Mexico City Olympics to Colin Kaepernick's taking of the knee in an NFL game in 2016, Athletes have always had the tradition of using their platform to stand up against the racial inequality and the injustices that exist in society. However, more recently, we have even started to see a new wave of Asian American athletes joining in this fight. In 2019, Caitlin Ohashi, a UCLA star gymnast, fiercely spoke out against body shaming not only in the sport of gymnastics, but also in our everyday lives. Furthermore, Taylor Rapp, an NFL safety for the LA Rams, appeared in a video campaign condemning the recent racial violence against Asians due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And most recently, at the 2020 U.S. Open, Naomi Osaka, a prominent Japanese tennis player, wore a mask before each game with the names of victims of police brutality to show her support for the current Black Lives Matter movement. Starting with ourselves and pulling from our personal experiences, when Emmy and I were first developing this episode and talking about our upbringings within the context of sports, We couldn't have been any more different. So I'm originally from the suburbs of Richmond, Virginia, and growing up, I played table tennis at a very young age. And then in middle school, I did cross country and track. And now in high school, I play basketball. I'm Chinese American and growing up in a predominantly white area, I was often the only non-white person in a classroom, nevertheless on a team. And when I would watch TV, I would see that same disconnect and representation And that's why I found this episode idea super interesting because of that contrast and dynamic of not having Asian American representation in sports, whether that was in my community or in mainstream media. Originally, I'm from the island of Oahu. With sports, I had a brief gymnastics career uh, up until the age of about six or seven. And then from then on out, I played basketball, whether that was through community leagues, club teams, or my school teams. With representation on a personal level back home, it was something I never thought twice about. I'm mixed, Japanese and white, and most, if not all of my friends are mixed or multi-ethnic as well. It just wasn't something that was out of the ordinary. I know for me, growing up and still to this day, I gravitate towards media and storytelling that reflects similar things that I've experienced or if the storyteller or content creator looks like me. This was especially prevalent with television shows, movies, and YouTubers. But the area that lacked representation for me was in sports. I think what was most upsetting was how big of an impact sports has had on my life, yet beyond my home of Hawaii, 
you were never going to see someone who looks like me being successful in the eyes of the mainstream media. Along with this, with how little representation Asian Americans have at the highest level of sport, it's an entirely other thing to then see these individuals be outspoken about their beliefs or give their opinions on current events. To further discuss this concept of the role of Asian American athletes in representation, politics, and social justice, we sat down with two athletes, Jojo McIntosh, former University of Washington Huskies football player, and Cameron Hamaguchi, current Chapman University women's basketball player and coach at Ironman Basketball Academy. Hello, this is Jojo McIntosh here, graduate of the University of Washington, football player, half African-American, half Cambodian. Hi, my name is Cameron Homaguchi. I'm a Japanese-American two-sport athlete at Chapman University in Orange, California, and I'm also a youth basketball coach for Ironman Basketball Club and the assistant girls varsity coach at Kennedy High School. Cameron, what was your upbringing like being Japanese-American? I also grew up in a very predominantly white area, but I was fortunate enough to be in um, Southern California where we have the Japanese American basketball leagues. I grew up playing in those rather than playing like club basketball. So I was always surrounded with other Asian athletes. So it wasn't too much of a shock when I was playing against people my own age. But I think when I went to high school and, you know, people, they didn't look like me, they were much different. That's when I kind of was. A little bit shocked, um, especially because, you know, Asians are usually smaller. So when I was playing in the Asian leagues, you know, I was like power center. Um, and then I came to high school and I was like the two guard. Um, but I think it was nice being able to grow up playing against people who looked like me, more my same size. Jojo, what was your upbringing and childhood like being both black and Cambodian? Yeah, I mean, I could tell from a very young age that I was different because I, I think I spent more time with my Cam- Cambodian side. All my cousins are light skinned, like yellow. I'm I'm the only black one. Like I'm different for sure. You feel me? And so I, I could see the difference at a young age. I didn't think it was a bad thing or anything because I was always well accepted. Um, I can speak Cambodian, so I could speak to my family and whatnot. And then like going to tying it into sports, I was the only one that really played sports, which is very interesting. Like none of my Cambodian cousins played sports. Um, they were into video games and anime and whatnot. It's like, that's, I'm into that too, but I also got into sports, right? And so like, they showed me that, but then away from them, I got into sports myself and they would always look at me like, oh, Jojo, how's football? How's this? How's track? Going off of that, for me being mixed, something that I've always had to deal with was the difference in how I viewed myself and how other people perceived me. Jojo, With you being both Black and Cambodian, was there ever a time where you felt like you had to choose one ethnicity over the other? I guess a lot of people ask me, like, oh, who do you identify with more? I'd be like, I'm just Jojo. Feel me? Like, I'm just me. Like, when people see me, like I said before, they think I'm just Black. If you see, like, how I grew up in my everyday life, I eat mostly Cambodian food. I'm around my Cambodian fam most of the time. Shoot, I'm watching anime, like, 24-7, like... (laughs) So I don't know. I don't like ever say I identify with this side more or this, right? Because I'm just me. I'm half and half and I'm fully myself, though. Right. So I've I've never said, yeah, I identify with this more because you see me as this. No, I I identify with both. I speak on both sides. Um, When I represent myself, I represent both sides of my family. Cameron, when did you first start taking your sport seriously? I think I started taking it seriously when I was in high school. So I'm a basketball player. Um, I also did track and field in high school um, and in college, but I didn't start taking it seriously until I think I was a freshman. 
so you know that's kind of in high school when you kind of realize if you're you're good or if you're you know you should just play for fun and my coaches really and my parents actually too really encouraged me they said you know you should try to take this more seriously maybe try to play at the next level so I think that's really when I switched gears and started to take basketball more seriously. With family being such an integral part of both of your childhoods and lives, Cameron and Jojo, what were your parents' reactions to your involvement with sports? Did they support your decision? Uh, yeah, they did. We're a basketball family. My Both my parents played, my sister plays. So it wasn't really a surprise or a shock when I said, you know, I think I want to play in college. It was more just like, yes, this is so exciting. We can't wait. We hope that this actually happens. And they were supportive 100%. They really helped me with the recruiting process and very supportive throughout my entire career in college, too, and high school. Yeah, uh, my dad put me in football when I was about 10 years old. Uh, my mom, she's from Cambodia. She didn't really want me to play football because it's, it's such a violent sport. Right. Uh, when I got into the sport, I wasn't good. I was terrible at football. I was out of shape. I barely played like my first two years. I played like 11 plays a game. It's crazy. But as I progressed, as I got older, got better, my, my dad would make me train and whatnot. And so I guess I, I took it serious, but I didn't know I was serious about it until maybe my sophomore year of high school because I got recruited to play at a private school and they were like paying me to go there. And we had a lot of good athletes. And, and in high school, my sophomore year, I realized, okay, you know what? Because I didn't know anything about college, honestly. And so my sophomore year, when I started seeing the older guys get offers and when I was like, oh, that's cool. Like I can go to college playing ball. Um, so that's when I started taking it serious, started going to camp. Stemming from that, was there ever a time your ethnicity was ever made to be super prevalent in your life or in your respective sports? I don't know. For me, it's kind of different. When people look at me, they, they can't tell I'm Cambodian, right? Unless you see my mom and then you say, okay, you look like your mom. But people don't know I'm Cambodian, so they just assume, you know, you're just black, right? But we moved here to Santa Clarita in this predominantly white community. I remember when I was playing, like they used to put like the white boys against me, like they try to bully me. But I don't think Cambodian ever came out. Um, maybe they seen my mom and knew I was Cambodian. They thought I was soft, maybe. But a lot of times I proved them wrong because we have a strong culture. But yeah, I was just seen like as a black kid, really. Well, like I said, I grew up playing uh, Asian basketball uh, since I was like five years old. So I was surrounded by, you know, a lot of Asian people my whole life. And I had met this one girl, played it in the leagues, and we also went to the same school. But like I said, we grew up in a predominantly white area. So I remember one time we were hanging out and we were only like in the sixth grade, so we were pretty young. Um, and she was saying, oh, isn't so-and-so, they're so pretty. They have blonde hair, da 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 all the stuff. I was like, yeah, they are. She was like, oh, God, I just, I hate being Asian. And I was like, what do you mean? What do you, you know, like, I never thought, I wish I looked like them. I liked who I was. And she said, don't you just hate being Asian? Don't you wish you were white? And I think that was the first time I ever, you know, kind of had that realization like, well, we're, we're different, but she sees it in a different way than I do. It was very eye-opening for me. Cameron is currently a coach for Ironman basketball, which wasn't something she had ever planned on. Based out of Orange County, Ironman basketball has roughly 30 club teams, hosts various skills clinics and summer camps, as well as private individual trainings for athletes. With a large staff of mainly Asian American coaches, both male and female, their goal wasn't necessarily to target Asian American kids, but a lot of their players are. Can you talk about how you became a coach and how that's affected your relationship with basketball? I was a sophomore in high school and training with them until I was a senior. And then right before I graduated, I'd really 
created like a great connection with all the coaches and the director said, Hey, you know, you want to start coaching? Um, and I was like, no, I don't know anything about coaching. I'm a, I don't know how to coach basketball. He was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. You could just come. It's just skills. You know, you teach them how to dribble. Da, 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 da. And the past five years that I've been with them, the program's really grown. We had no club teams before. It was just skills. And now we have, I think, 30 club teams now. And I was the first female coach in the program, which was uh, very exciting. So I helped them start the girls program because we actually didn't have any girls teams. And now we have, I think, 10 going on, hopefully 13, 14, 15, as uh, we're actually allowed to come back and play. This is more for Cameron. I read an open letter you wrote to the Japanese-American basketball community, and it said that on your current Chapman women's basketball team, there are 9 out of 15 roster players who are well-established JA players. Could you speak on that dynamic? Because when we usually think of basketball and we look around, it's mostly represented by the white and black community, but never by the representation of the Asian community. So what is it like playing on a college basketball team where there actually is that representation within the Asian community? I mean, it was really fun. I mean, I wasn't expecting that, honestly. I mean, you know, when you, well, for me, when I got recruited, all I knew was, yeah, I'm going to go to Chapman. I'm going to play. That was it. Then my coach was also part of the Asian community. So she would, she always says this. she's not trying to only recruit Asian girls, but she's giving them an opportunity to play, which I loved. And that's what she did for me. Definitely a different dynamic. And, but it was a comfortable career that I had playing for an, an my, the whole staff was Asian, actually, the head coach and two assistants. Um, most of our practice players were my buddies from the Asian League, too. So, yeah, it was a good time. Prominent Asian-American role models are few and far between in movies and television, let alone in sports. I know for me, my first memory of a prominent Asian-American on TV was actually Jeremy Lin because growing up, we didn't have cable TV in my house until I was like nine years old. And I remember one day turning on the TV and tuning into ESPN and seeing Jeremy Lin's face planted on the TV screen. I remember my first reaction was like, whoa, he looks like me. And of course, this was in 2012 when Linsanity first took off. And what about for you, Kenna? When did you first see an Asian American on TV? I would say growing up, the most vivid memory I have of seeing an Asian American pro athlete was whenever it was the Winter Olympics. My family and I specifically made an effort to watch Apollo Ono compete in the speed skating events. What was really cool for me and my sister was that he was mixed too, being both Japanese and white like us. So that was pretty dope. Did you folks have any prominent Asian American role models on or off the court or field? I think Manny Pacquiao was a big like influence. I love boxing. I remember growing up, we would always watch him. Like all my family, we would always watch him and we would always root for him. And he was a beast. Um, and he was dominant. They they used to tell me like you're gonna be like Manny Pacquiao, you're gonna be like a dominant Asian, blah blah blah. And I thought it was dope. For me, it's kind of like a smaller athlete. Her name is Jamie Hagia. Um, she played D1 basketball at USC, but she is only five foot. So it was like pretty amazing. She's not too much older than me either. And we're from the same community. We're from, you know, the Asian community down here in SoCal. So growing up to see that was very exciting. So to see someone like that play high caliber basketball and then go on to have like another very successful, like, athletic career that was very like exciting for me I really looked up to her growing up and still now too 
Collegiate sports are a phenomenon that has mainly been exclusive to the United States. Beyond our country's borders, it isn't really something you see anywhere else. Coinciding with that, unlike other places, in order to be eligible for any professional league in the U.S., you need to have participated in X amount of years before you can declare for a professional draft. What's awesome is that both of you were able to or are currently playing collegiate sports. What was or has been your experience as a collegiate student athlete in the context of being able to speak up about injustices in and outside of school, if there was a difference? I think when I was in college, Colin Kaepernick had started taking the knee in the NFL, right? And so a lot of the guys on my team, we like talked about stuff like this and I studied social justice. And so we would have these talks in class and they would ask, what do you think about taking the knee? And it was like a very tough decision. I would go and talk to my head coach, Coach Peterson, and I would sit in the room and I would tell him like, coach, how would you feel if I took a knee during a flat? You know, he's this white dude from California. He's like, hey, your decision. He always had those talks with us. He said, if you guys want to go out there, you guys want to take a knee, that's what you guys want to do, then do it. Just make sure you don't regret your decision. Go wholeheartedly in your decision. And so I think University of Washington was just a great place for me to, to go and, and learn so much. And the coaching staff was involved. The athletes were involved. Like We had such a good group of men on our team. It was ridiculous. And so we were able to speak about injustices. We would write and put it out on Twitter. We would create videos and put it out. Um, we have guys that have clothing brands and talk about social injustices and put it out while still in college, which is awesome. I got to talk about my culture being Cambodian in college. I've had articles written about my culture, my background, and it kind of like opened like a gateway for Cambodian community. Um, a lot of people in the Cambodian community hit me like, hey, like, keep telling our story, keep telling our history. Actually, my school was going through this huge controversy we had a law professor write like an opinion piece it was like questioning Kamala Harris if she was actually a citizen of the United States a lot of the students I mean me included were very outraged that he could put that out he could be a professor at our school and our president did nothing about it and I think it's been hard being home not being able to be out there with my teammates you know, we've been doing a lot of stuff through Instagram, a lot of meetings together where we just kind of, you know, talk. And I think it's it would have been a bigger difference if we could be in person. We're basically just doing everything we can virtually, but I'm hoping that we could get back together in person and we could stand together and we could do even more than we're doing now. The acceptance of responsibilities of being a role model amongst professional athletes has been something highly debated for years. From Charles Barkley flat out saying that he isn't a role model to some stating that it's a requirement of the job, being a role model isn't necessarily for everyone nor wanted by everyone. With us being in the age of heightened social media use, athletes have resources to create a platform with the touch of a button. Do you consider yourselves a role model? If so, how have you used your platform to help others? Yeah, um, you're playing ball or you're doing anything, people are watching automatically, right? So you're a role model whether you like it or not. So I guess I've always knew people were watching me because I have younger siblings. I wanted to be a good role model for them. And as I got older, I started to understand that more people are going to start watching me. More people are going to take account into what I do. I got to make sure that I'm doing the right things, that how I want people to portray myself and how I want them to reenact what I'm doing, I, w I want it to be positive. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it the right way. I mean... 
I think it's hard to say, you know, like, yeah, I'm a role model, but I strive to be a role model. I think now that, you know, I'm a coach, even if it's for youth sports, it's a very low caliber, right? Even if they're not looking up to me saying, wow, I want to be just like Cameron, you know, they're still getting something out of me. I don't really have a huge platform. I mean, I, um, the first four months of the stay at home order, I was running Instagram lives through our club programs. <laughs> Instagram, I had about 400 to 500 people viewing every week, which, you know, doesn't sound like much, but to someone like me who's never done anything like that before, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe how many people are watching right now. I remember that when the, uh, you know, the protests had just become like real heavy. I had an Instagram live coming up and, you know, I was just like, I can't go on here right now and just act like, you know, everything's okay. Cause it, um, it wasn't, it isn't So you know, I went on wearing this black lives matter, uh, gear that my cousin had made. And then we ended up selling and donating the profits and gave just like a really small speech, knowing that I was talking to like a younger generation, just saying, you know, we have to bring light to the situation and, you know, know that this is not okay, that we we need to change. We need to be better to each other. Using my platform, even the smallest way, I think is a step in the right direction and something that I hope more people do. Connecting this back to today and speaking more to the current resurgence surrounding the movement for Black Lives, what are your folks' thoughts on the role of athletes at any level in this moment? Sure, sir. Um, I think NFL athletes, they have a really big platform. A lot of them are doing a really good job talking about what's going on, helping people to understand why they take a knee, because a lot of people really didn't understand. They just thought, oh, you're disrespecting this and doing that. No, it's not about that. And so I think they're doing a really good job of, of getting the word out and talking to people. I don't know if you guys seen the Pac-12 football players. They all came together, talked about some different injustices and whatnot, which is really dope. Um, so a lot of Collegiate athletes are coming out and talking about it. They have a big platform as well. And some high school players that are heavily recruited are talking about it. Um, and I think it's really important when the young guys do it, like college level high schools, because a lot of young kids look up to these guys. They want to be these guys, right? And so that's where, that's where the change starts, is when you start changing the minds of the people of the next generation, right? I think it's really dope that um, a lot of these young guys are, are starting to talk and have a voice. A league that has historically and consistently been at the forefront of fighting for social justice has been the WNBA. Consisting of 80% Black women and a large number of athletes also being a part of the LGBTQ community, they've never been afraid of being vocal about their opinions. From racial and societal inequalities to police brutality, as well as being upfront about their constant fight against gender pay disparities, there isn't a lot that these women haven't spoken up about. And for many women, they often have a career outside of basketball or have to play overseas in the offseason to make enough money to support themselves and their families. For example, in 2018, 90 out of 144 players on WNBA rosters spent their time playing overseas in the offseason. Yeah, I think that there's so many athletes right now that are just doing like incredible work. You know, no matter what you're doing, how big or how small, all eyes are on them all the time. You know, even just like, you know, wearing the, the jerseys that have the quotes on it or even I don't know if you guys saw like LeBron, like even had like Breonna Taylor on his shoes, just the small things, you know, they're they're constantly, you know, trying to bring awareness to it, which I think is great since they have such a big platform, you might as well use it, you know, 
And I agree with the stuff about the WNBA that, you know, they work extremely hard. They don't get paid as much. I mean, people don't respect their game at all. That league is, is really great, I think. And being a woman who plays basketball, I really respect it. Running back to the listeners, fresh out the votes and your respective audiences, what would you hope that they get out of this episode? And what would be your call to action? I would want your listeners to know that, you know, we're, we're trying. Um, this process is, has been going on for so long. It's not going to end now. As many protests, riots, or whatever we have going on now, it's, the world is not going to change, right? Keep moving forward. Change the narrative. If there's some Black folks watching this, hey, change the narrative. Change how people perceive you, right? Um, my Asian athletes, keep working hard. Keep doing what you need to do. Like I tell everybody else, you got a goal in mind. Make small goals and just keep achieving them. Uh, we need more Asian athletes in the professional level because we got the talent, we got the heart, we got the will, we got the strength. So just keep moving forward, one foot in front of the other. Um, just keep going. Yeah, it's not something that's going to just change tomorrow. Um, it's going to take a really long time. And just do the little things that you can to be better to one another. You know, it's not always easy. You don't always have the platform, you know, to speak on national TV or, you know, even in my case, like have a small Instagram following. But do the little things that you can to make a difference because it, it does make a difference. So take everything, you know, everything that's going on very seriously. And, you know, going off this, what the podcast is all about, make sure that you guys, if you can, you vote because the change starts with us. We're the ones that make a difference. We could sit around here, you know, all day and complain about this and that. But if we don't actually do our part and take that, you know, exercise that right to vote, we're not going to see change. So believe you guys on that. Make sure you guys vote. Cameron, is there anything you'd like to say specifically to the kids at your club? Don't let our race, don't let size, don't let any of that deter you from doing what you want to do. I mean, we've seen it. There's so many great Asian athletes. Don't let it discourage you. Work towards what you're passionate in. Even if it's not, you know, sports, work hard in everything that you do. Be passionate in what you do. Sky's the limit. Asian American athletes are out there and have been out there working for a long time. Whether they've gotten the proper acknowledgement is another thing. With a combination of projected stereotypes from external negativity and the limitations we've then consequently put on ourselves, it's culminated into this never-ending vicious cycle. We don't see anyone that looks like us, which then makes us question whether we're good enough and ultimately leads to discouragement. And then that mentality just continues and continues and continues until it's been ingrained in everyone's mind that this is just the way things are. Well, that answer shouldn't work anymore. I mean, look where accepting the status quo has gotten us. By sharing stories and hearing firsthand the trials and tribulations of Asian Americans and mixed Asian American athletes like JoJo and Cameron, it not only inspires the next generation that success is possible, but it also humanizes the entire experience as well. Culturally, in Asian communities, anything less than success is automatically seen as failure. Sport doesn't necessarily work like that. Yes, at the end of the day, there will be a winner and a loser in a sporting competition. But the greatest thing about sports is that as important as the final destination is, the journey to getting there is what makes it all worthwhile and meaningful. JoJo and Cameron are just two examples out of countless other Asian and mixed Asian American athletes. 
Both in their early 20s, they've experienced many successes and an equal amount of failure and struggles as well. What's important, though, is that they've continued to push the narrative and explore what is possible not only for them and their communities, but also for everyone as a whole. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Fresh Off the Boat. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. We upload every Monday, so stay tuned. You can donate to us on Buy Me a Coffee. Any amount helps and will be greatly appreciated. Thanks again, everyone. Please remember to check your voter registration status, and if you need any additional information such as language assistance or translations, check out apiavote.org. Go out and vote on November 3rd, or make sure you mail in your ballot by your state's deadlines. This is Emmy. This is Kenna. Thank you for listening.